Pokémon. Captain was like, hey, meet at my house and we'll like have a brunch like an hour before we go to the rules meeting. But we ended up just, you know, having like a three hour brunch. (laughs) (laughs) That's so fun. It was so fun. So in it, we were like, okay, hey, we're just going to like, you know, like, hey, let's try and win. But like, if anybody messes up, like, just laugh with them. Yeah. Don't be mean. We don't give a shit. You're just there for brunch to make gay friends. But then we also learned that there are a few teams the that, like, seriously. are here to be serious and win. Which but it's is just like, kickball. We're like, gay, it's playing fucking kickball. It's not, it's kickball. Calm just down. Just have fucking fun. Yeah. That's yeah. ridiculous. Well, you'll have fun tomorrow. I will come cheer you on eventually. Oh, yeah. yeah, just come, like, to one game eventually. I will, because I wanted to go to tomorrow's game, but now we can't anymore, because we like, the family emergency. Oh, yeah, that's up. fine. Yeah. But, and I, especially how there's Well, no don't even, because we won't even have, like, chemistry within the team. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And especially um, since there's male cheerleaders, which is hysterical. I know. I'm so excited. There might It might be, like, I think it's I think it's anybody who wants to. Really? Yeah, I think it's anybody who wants to. Oh, my God. But you just, like, it's gay-oriented or, like, queer. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, bitch, yeah. <laughs> I'm like wall twerking on someone or like, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. let's jump into this. Okay. Yeah. What's up? Hello, everybody. Hey, everyone. Welcome to our slutty podcast. We are Anyways, How's Your Sex Life? We're your slutty hosts. I'm Chana. And I'm Corey. And welcome, y'all. Episode, episode 35. 35. 35. We are making some milestones. We're getting there. Yes. Today, I like outlined the next million episodes for us and our 50th episode is going to come out like the week of Halloween. How Are you perfect. kidding me? Isn't that perfect? Yes. It's like the most perfect shit. You can't make that yes. shit up. It's like so perfect. Oh, what are we doing? We have to do something big. I'm excited. We have to do something really fun. I'm thinking we should do like something Warren related or like. Okay, okay, okay. Something spooky. S- spooky. Wait, when's our next combined episode? 45 and then. So I guess let's make 45 and 50 combined. Yeah. Because 50 special. Yeah. Or we could do a bonus combined episode after 50. So like a bonus Halloween special. Okay. Okay. And we could. We'll figure it out. Okay. We'll figure it we out. We have a while. But yeah, yeah. So I was outlining today. I'm really excited about it. Yes. Anyways, back to the today's episode 35. Hello, everybody. Welcome. What's up? I hope you guys have had a good week. We, you know, we, Corey has, I have not, but what else is new? I just like worked. Corey's worked. I got my wisdom teeth taken out. So today is actually the first day that I am speaking. So if my voice sounds different, it's because it is because I can barely open my jaw, everybody. But, um, there's gnats in my house because I brought in plants. Ugh. But, um, so yeah, so I got my wisdom teeth taken out this week. So sorry in advance if I sound crazy. You don't, you don't sound much different. That's good. I took a lot of ibuprofen. That's that's good. Yeah, I, I purposely did not take hydrocodone for the podcast. I thought channel hydrocodone would be an interesting mix. <laughs> You're like, so this bitch died. I'm like, yeah, isn't interesting. And I just fall asleep mid-sentence. <laughs> You're like, Channa, Channa. You're like, I'm like, so Simone, how do you feel about that? She's like, meow, meow, meow. She's like, meow, 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 meow. So yeah, anyways, as I was saying. <laughs> um, so yeah, so let's just jump straight into. My faggoties? Yeah. Oh, wait, no. I have one announcement. Oh, we have announcements. Okay, before you get into your announcements. I just have one quick hey. announcement. 
We have a Patreon. Oh, that was the announcement. Oh, that's your announcement? Okay, <laughs> this is just a gener- generic announcement that we have. We will have from here on out, so deal with it. We should probably do like a pre-recorded. This isn't even an announcement. Yeah, this, this is, is just like, This hey. is a fact. Oh. This is a Anyways is Your Sex Life fact. Yeah. We have Patreon. We have a Patreon, bitch. Go do it. Go do it. For example, we just recorded a tier three Patreon episode, so tier three Patreons get... Um, a full extra bonus episode every single month yeah. along with tier two and tier one stuff but anyways that episode was really good you guys it was like really fun really exciting and so uh if you want to know what i'm talking about then go become a tier three demon daddy um extra incentive for that my um my uh supernatural segment in that uh <laughs> i want to say this again <laughs> <laughs> So extra incentive for that is my supernatural segment for the Patreon episode for this month has to deal with is connected to episode 31 supernatural segment, which is the great Amherst mystery. And I even mentioned that I will uh, do a future uh, supernatural segment on the Borley Rectory. So if you want to follow up with that, then become a demon daddy um, Patreon. That's our like highest tier level. And we also decided we're now part of a coven if you're in Demon Dead. Yeah, now we're part of a coven and we get our, the coven gets their power from uh, Boost. Yes, so, from, yeah. from good old Toulouse. And yeah. I did my episode on The Grinder Killer. Yes. So definitely go check it out if you're interested because I think you should be interested because yeah. you're listening to this podcast. If you're not interested, then fine. Just listen to our regular episodes. We still love you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we still love you. That's totally chill. I'm fine. But, but, it's fun. Okay, my. Faggity fact. Faggity fact. Faggity faggity Today faggity fact. is on the sacred band of Thebes. Ooh. What the fuck? Oh. This is real. This is a porno. <laughs> so the city of Thebes, you know, from uh, Hercules, yeah. the Disney, sh- where that's a Hercules. real city. We all know. It's in like the cent- one of our semi the central mass of Greece. Um, and it's a real city. was a real city. I think there's also a Thebes, Egypt in Egypt, but it, that used to exist, but that's totally irrelevant. Are whatever. they going to make a Hercules lot or like remake? I mean, I hope not because all the live remakes sort of suck dick. Yeah. But so I bet you they will. I bet if they, they will. do, I'll watch it probably. Who would be a good Hercules? You would need almost two different actors for like skinny, oh, yeah. pleb Hercules and bulky, hot Hercules. They have to be like a good clean cut boy. That is also muscular. And like... Like you need to be innocent and... I can't even think of who would make good Hercules. Hmm. Gullible. Yeah, well, you know, it's probably an actor we don't know then. It's probably yeah, it'd probably be, it'd be, it'd be best to be a new or relatively very new actor. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. true. True, true. The Sacred Band of Thieves was a troop of soldiers consisting of 150 pairs of gay men. Oh. So 300 men. That was considered the elite force of the Theban army or Theban army. I don't know exactly how to say that. Um, throughout the fourth century BC BCE, I'm not saying BC because fuck Jesus, God doesn't exist. <laughs> uh, so BCE is before Common Era era instead of before Christ. Before Channa, how about that? Yeah, before Channa. So anything before 1995 <laughs> is, is BC. So this is like. <laughs> This is like like 24th century BC. bolded, (laughs) underlined BC. Yeah. Um, So the 4th century, the centuries sort of work the same way in BCE, sort of like the 19th century is the 1800s, where the 4th century BC, or that's like AD or uh, common era, so CE. Um, So like 20th century, we are in the 21st century, but it's not the 2100s. Yeah. It's just the 2000s. Yeah. Um, the same happens with uh, 
uh, BCE before common era, because you're, you're going down, like, mm. you know, you're starting from like, you know, negative 4,000 or just 4,000 and then going down to zero. Um, so the fourth century BCE is actually the 300s BCE, just so y'all can like, you know, get your history caps back on. So um, the predominance began with the Battle of Lectura in uh, 371 BC when they played a crucial role in defeating the great Spartan army. So um, they eventually, um, however, were annihilated by Philip II of Macedon, which is actually Alexander the Great's dad. Oh. Yeah. He, and actually oh. Alexander the Great was le- le- leading a unit during that battle. And it was actually mostly believed by historians that his unit was the first one that encountered the, the sacred band of themes, the Gabes. The homos. The homo, the homo momos. The homo momos. The homo. That sounds like they're gay Mormons. That's <laughs> Fuck that. <laughs> Which, you know, they weren't. <laughs> we would. <laughs> the, 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 we, the army ew. of fags. I'm not Mormon. Fuck that. The, the, you're not Mormon anymore. Fuck, fuck that. You don't even have your name in the church. Yeah. So that happened in the Battle of uh, Charonia. <laughs> Caronia. I'm so not pronouncing you know, that correct. That's probably wrong. But <laughs> um, In 338 BC or BCE. Sorry. So before I get into any more like history and description of the Sacred Band of Thieves, this is a real thing just to like reiterate multiple times. This is history um, science. This is history. There are famous historians and biog- there, there is one particular famous historian slash biographer named Plutarch. You may have heard that before. And he makes many notes of them throughout the battles, uh, throughout, uh, you know, the history and, and many battles. Um, e- even Xenophon. Um, who is a philosophical rival rival to Plato, mm-hmm. and also Plato himself referred to them in their famous symposiums, which is actually were like rival philosophical symposiums oh. that they had. And actually, many historians will be like, no, um, like no, Plato said his p- symposium before uh, Zenon said his symposium because I think they were both like um, students of Aristotle and then like went off and did their own, like, Mm. you know, philosophical shit and stuff like that. Or like, uh, I know that like Xenon or I think Plato was, I don't know. I'm not going to get into that. I'm not even going to assume. Not even going to fucking assume. We'll ask Kai. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so yeah, this is like super real. And there's actually like, if you look up Xenon, uh, Xeno, Xenophons or, and or Plato symposiums, you can actually like literally, you know, buy that book from Amazon and read their entire philosophical thing oh. that is called a symposium. Whew. Yeah. Sounds like a lot of work. In, within it, each of them reference um, the, the sacred band of Thebes. Uh, Plato sort of talk, talks about it hypothetically, but then uh, Xenophon himself actually says, like talk like it refers to a band of uh, gay male lovers that's cool yeah so it is mostly agreed that through at least through this lens or from this like uh what do you call it perspective that a plato symposium became before xenophons but whatever everyone's arguing i don't know why it's fine people are dying it's true. We had a very intense conversation <laughs> about death earlier. And we're yeah. going to have another intense one with my spooky scoop. Yeah. Oh, God. Buckle oh, up. shit, we are. Death, oh, fuck. Death, death. Now, let's get to the like, main history and description. And then I'm going to talk about like two main historic battles. And then we'll close. Okay. Sorry. This is just like I love Greek history and yeah. Roman history and just everything to do. With, well, not really Roman history. I just love Greek history. So I was like, fuck yes, fuck. I was like jacking off the half the You're time. Like, and then we get into games? talk about like 300 and shit, like the Ooh. movie and shit like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I was like really excited. <laughs> Yay. 
side note, I was like ten times more excited about this than I am like our yeah, our main thing. segment. <laughs> oh yeah, me too. <laughs> it's chill. Okay. We just got to bring this excitement into Elizabeth's life. Oh, I will. Oh, yeah, I'll be able to do it. Okay, so the Sacred Band of Thebes is generally accepted to be created by an official of the Theban state or Theban state. I don't know how to really say that still. Um, his name is Gorgidas. G-O-R-G-I-D-A-S. Gorgidas, mm. I think. Giro. So uh, this happened after Sparta was pushed out of their central, of the Theban central citadel. And actually, at the same time, several Theban city-states began to revolt against the Spar- Spartan rule. And this happened at around 378 BCE. So what has happened is um, just to put everybody's dicks in place and oh. clits in place. Oh. Um, I will, I'm going to say that like, there are accounts of an elite force of 300 in the Thebian army that predates um, the sacred band. But, and there's even recorded that there was, they were, there was like a, a 300 uh, elite army of the- Thebians at the battle of Plataea. Yeah, I think it's Plataea. So the Battle of Plataea, which is in fact the battle that takes place a year after the Battle of Thermopylae, which is the 300 battle from the movie 300. Oh, my hat. So we're King Leonidas and all the hot fucking men oh, and like Gerard Butler the and hot, Michael Fassbender hot, hot and man. the other guy who plays Faramir. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, who loses the eye. Yeah. Hot. Yeah, his name is Dilios. Everyone's... He was my gamer tag when I was in my teens. Cute. It's okay, hair float. <laughs> You know, there's a quick little like side note of a side note. Um, his real name in like history is not Dilios. I think Daddy-os. he's accredited with Dilios or Daddios. Mm. Oh my God. I should just make my new gamer tag Daddios. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. When I'm 30, when I'm 38, I will, I will change my gamer tag to Daddios because I'll Perfect. be a daddy. Yes. Okay. So, <laughs> so his real like Grecian name, his real historic name is like Arkham, it's not Agamemnon because that's King Agamemnon, but it's like Archidamion or something like that. Okay. And he's like a real person that existed who is the one who is sent home, like one of the only 300 that is sent home because he got his eye gouged out. And that really actually happens to (laughs) Faramir, the actor in 300. Uh, So he went home and then in the Battle of Plataea, uh, which happens, which is actually the uh, where the naval part of the Battle of Plataea is the uh, focus of the second 300 movie okay. where they actually defeat King Xerxes, the Persian army. Um, I'm sorry, this is such a tangent, no, but I okay. fucking love this shit. I'm into it. Um, <laughs> this is my gamer tag, guys. Yeah, this is important. <laughs> so he um, is it, like Archimemnon or something like that. You can go look it up on Wikipedia. Um, but he actually fights with such ferocity and bloodlust that even the Spartans were like, whoa dude like you are like they didn't like i think he dies and he's like not given like a hero's death because he was so bloodthirsty to get revenge off of his comrades that died at the battle thermopylae like isn't that fucking fucking legit that's so fucking cool calm down you know literally even the spartans themselves when they fight in the in the battle of platea are like holy shit dude like calm the fuck they're like calm your tits no that's crazy crazy? that's kind of badass yeah he's fucking badass yeah that's why he's my gamer tag or was my gamer tag now it's storm titties and then it's gonna (laughs) and then it'll be daddy-o's it's called growth um so all of what i'm talking about is when the theban like uh the sacred band is made it is about 100 years after the battle of thermopylae uh, because the battle of thermopylae happened in 480 bc so basically what happens is the battle of thermopylae happens in 480 bc and then the battle of platea happens in 481 BC. Okay. Um, or sorry, 479 BC. Sorry, sorry, sorry. 
And so that's when like literally like the Persian army is defeated. And then over the next, like, like just to gross grotesquely sum up the next 80 years, Sparta sort of takes over. You have the Peloponnesian wars where like all the Greek city states are fighting against each other. Okay. Sparta takes over for a bit. Then Athens sort of gets some you know territory back. Um, so the Spartans are sort of the big guys. Okay. Sorry, this is such a side story. No, it's I'm not a side sorry, story. sorry, Jenna. This no, is me a- just nerding out. No, it's okay. I think it's cute. <laughs> I think it's fun. Yeah, so anyways, according to Plutarch, the 300 handpicked men were chosen by Gorgidas, as I said before, purely for ability and merit, regardless of social class. It was composed of 150 male uh, couples, which I said before, each pair consisting of an older lover and a younger lover. Oh. So that's uh, pertaining to what we know, like as we've said before and people mostly know for just common knowledge there was a, usually in grecian like gay uh yeah, you relationships it's about an, that. yeah it's an older and younger lover yeah um the origin of the name comes from uh, plutarch claiming so the origin of the uh sacred band um it comes from a uh, plutarch claiming that it was due to an exchange of sacred vows between lover and beloved at the shrine of eolus one of the lovers of hercules at thebes Ooh. So they would like go and pledge their love to a shrine of one of the legendary Hercules' lovers. Isn't that so fucking cute? This is such a fucking like romantic and sexual fantasy for me. Yep. (laughs) That's what most facts are. Just y'all picture like if 300, that movie was just 150 gay male lovers. And they all promised to love their partner forever and then made And that's why they fought so like intensely because they were fighting beside their love so they wouldn't abandon each other and they wouldn't wouldn't run away from battle because uh, for disgrace and then two they would want to protect their lover oh my god fuck oh my god yeah so uh polyanus (laughs) oh my god polyanus poor poor motherfucker polyanus i love you Polyanus, I'm sorry. Your He's another was cruel. Greek historian dude describes the sacred band as being composed of men devoted to each other by mutual obligations of love. That's an actual like quote of his writings. So they fuck. They're fucking. Yeah. Uh, the sacred band was stationed at Cadmea uh, as a standing force. Cadmea is the main citadel of Thebes. Uh, and and they were post there likely as a defense against future attempts uh, by foreign forces to take the citadel as uh as i said just you know five minutes ago where these people are the sacred band was established just after they claimed their citadel back from sparta mm. um their regular training included wrestling and dance oh um, and historians uh, historian uh, james g devito danny uh, devito devoto sorry um, estimated the trainees were indicated as full members by the time that they were aged 20 to 21. And then they likely ended their service at the age of 30. They based this off of some uh, minor texts about specifically the sacred band. And then also looking at the Athenian and Spartan armies and how they handled their elite forces and stuff. So when we say the whole older, younger lover thing, it was really only a difference of three to 10 years. So that's just oh. like me, a 28 year old falling in love with a 22 year old. So it's not like yeah, not it was only a daddy son relationship or like a pupil to master relationship. Yeah. It was actually like a legitimate love, you oh know, where some people try to use the fact that it was like, no, it wasn't actual love. It was just like more of a like, yeah, you know, pupil loving and serving their master in a like consent, you know, a more like sensual way. No, no, they're gay. No, they were like motherfucking gay. They were sucking each other's peepees. Yeah, this is a sacred band of faggots. Rim jobs. <laughs> you name it. it oh, and you know, they all played with each other. Duh. Duh. 
crazy yeah. orgies. Okay, so I'm gonna sum up the little bit because there's uh, basically two many uh, two big historic battles that makes the Sacred Band of Thieves uh, famous throughout history. Um, the first one I sort of mentioned is the Battle of Tagira. <laughs> oh, I didn't mention that. Uh, there's a battle of Tagira, and it just reminds me of Bagheera <laughs> from uh, Jungle Book. This happened in 375 BC. It is the first recorded occasion on which the Spartan hoptile forces was defeated by a numerically inferior force inferior force in a set battle. That's a lot of words, so I'm just going to break that down really quickly. Okay. Uh, as I noted earlier, the Spartans sense the Battle of Thermopylae and the Battle of Plataea when they like win, they like you know defeat the Persian forces. And the Peloponnesian War happens, and they take over. Spartan really, Sparta really takes over like a lot of the Greek, you know, a lot of Greek Greece. Mm-hmm. Um, they were like the big people, and so for this is the first recorded occasion in history where the Spartans are defeated by an, a numerically inferior force, which is a really big deal. And it's these three hundred gay dudes. Yeah. Um, then uh, the second battle is their defeat. Uh, the defeat came in the Battle of Chiriona. I already said that, in 338 BC. Um, this is where Philip II of Macedon, uh, with Alexander the Great, his son, extinguished the Thebian uh, army, This the special forces. The battle is uh, also the culmination of Philip's campaign to like take over Greece. Um, and basically what happens is... The Thebian army and its allies break and flee because they're like realize that they're being overrun. But the sacred band uh, gets surrounded and overwhelmed, but they refuse to surrender and die. And this was a very significant victory for King Philip, and he actually like realized this because the sacred band in the like past fifty years had already like gained super notoriety and being undefeated throughout Greece. And so Plutarch records, uh, this is that same historian dude where we get most of the like actual references to the sacred band. Uh, he says that uh, Philip, King Philip II, on encountering the corpses, he heaped them one upon the other, understanding who they were, and wept and exclaimed, perish any man who suspects that these men either did or suffered anything unseemly. So, like, just to say that because you can't read it, he says basically, kill any man who suspects that these men did anything unseemly or suffered anything unseemly. Mm. So, like, you could take that as maybe like uh, the Alexander the Great. Other Alexander is supposed to be like supposedly gay or bi. Ew, um, aren't we all? But he's basically like, if by. they like, if they did anything unseemly. So this king is like weeping for these like great gay warriors that have oh, died. I don't think cute. it was that like, you know socio-politically relevant because yeah. they were probably like whatever game you know men have sex with men it's chill women have sex with women it's chill yeah like welcome here we, yeah here but we you are. can easily take it that way because he does say like you know kill anybody who suspect these men did anything unseemly mm. you know something like that so it's just really cool um there's like a really cool quote that uh, plato has about like men fighting side by side but i won't read it it's He's totally like sword chill. fighting cool thing yeah um uh at the end the lion of Charonia which is where the battle took place, is believed to be a monument erected for their resting place as it was discovered in 1818 and then excavated later in the 19th century where they found 254 skeletons laid out in seven rows. So it's believed that these skeletons are the remains that could be organized of these gay men. And it's like a really cool, it's like like a three-story high lion statue that I think you can still go see because there was a picture taken of it in 2009 on Wikipedia. So you could go see it 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's the that's sacred cool. band of Thebes. Sorry to be so long, but I, it was just like a fucking daydream for me. I love it. Yeah. 
Oh my god, they're buried together. Isn't that so cute. fucking cute? Yeah. There are there is some like, you know, people don't believe it's them, but it's like probably a fifty fifty chance. I'm gonna believe it's them. We're just, just gonna believe them because it's romance. Yeah. Okay, well my spooky scoop is a continuation of last week's spooky scoop. Yes. This is interesting slash unique funeral traditions. And uh, then I'm gonna go through extra AF funerals and then I'm going to final my final thing is us talking about our dream funerals. So a yes. little panic attack, a little oh, spooky scoop. Sorry, I'm getting tired, so I'm just trying to like wake myself up. Wake up, Tana. I'm trying. Okay, so let's go over some interesting slash unique funeral traditions first. So I am going to warn you, a lot of these traditions are from areas in the world where I will 100% butcher the pronunciation yes. of all of it. Do so it. disclaimer now. Okay, so the first is the Malagasy people of Madagascar perform a ritual called Fama Dihana or <gasps> turning. The I know bones. this because um, I know this because a uh, seven-inch crop top, yeah, <laughs> seven-inch crop top went to Madagascar and he showed me pictures of this. Oh, really? Yeah, because he witnessed it. Oh my god! They like dance with the mummified. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. I'm okay. excited. Go. So it's called turning the bones, in which they exhume the body of their loved ones every seven years uh-huh. to rewrap in fresh cloth, and they host another funeral, usually celebration involving music and huge feasts, where they dance the dead bodies. They talk to the dead bodies, tell them about family news, secrets, everything like that. Um, and they ask for blessings, and then they go ahead and rebury the body. The reason they do this is a way to to maintain a connection between the dead and the living. This one, Corey, you're going to love yes. because I love. Yes. And this is like life goals right here. Nice. So funerals in Taiwan are judged by their expense and crowd size, often <laughs> resulting in lavish and loud affairs involving drum troops and all-female marching bands. Yes. Usually the, th- the funerals cost around $20,000, pretty much at a minimum. Oh, my now, God. Some funerals even go a step further to attract bigger crowds by hiring what they call electric flower cars. These what are the trucks fuck? converted into brightly colored, neon-lit mobile stages so just where EDC? strippers perform pole dances and strip teases and even dance exotically at the gravesides of I the want. deceased. Yeah. Strippers stripping at your funeral. That's hilarious. I just want the thickest women just, like, twerking on my grave. Yeah. With just, like, one main just, like, naked dude pole dancing. Yes. Goals, goals, yeah. goals. Or, no, my, my tombstone is a pole. There we go. A giant marble pole. A giant marble pole. Pole dance yeah. on all the time. Ivory in color, but not in material. There we go. We That's good. That's yeah. good of you. Okay, next one is in parts of Tibet and Mongolia, Buddhists practice a ritual known as Hator or sky burial, in which the bodies of the deceased are, uh, are dissected and the pieces are placed upon a mountaintop where they are left for vultures to consume. What? Based on the belief that the soul leaves a body immediately after death, the tradition, in particular the feeding of the remains of their vultures, is seen as a last token of charity to the earth. So it's That's their cute. way. That's cute. Actually, that was really beautiful. It's yeah. their way to find, like, their last way to give back to the earth and, and provide a meal for animals. And a scavenger, yeah. Um, next one, South Korea is running out of space for the dead. What's up? Um, there is actually a law that only allows loved ones to be buried for 60 years, and then they have to be brought up, probably cremated, scattered, or whatever. Um, so most South Korean citizens are now getting their loved ones' remains transformed into what are now known as death beads. They are Cute. tiny and colorful pebble-like beads usually displayed in decorative glass containers. That's nice. A final interesting tradition 
uh, then we're going to move on to like the extra as fuck ways to yes. get buried. But the final tradition. So in Ghana, people like to be buried in something that represents their lives so that they shape their coffins. They're called like special coffins, specialty coffins. For example, they have coffins shaped like planes, Penis. cars, shoes, a chip bag, an instrument, a pencil, a laptop, a microphone, like you name it, like whatever was your main interest in life, they can build you a coffin that looks like that interest and bury yes. you in it. So you're like buried with, with what you love. So now let's go through the extra ways to get buried. Yeah. And uh, this is going to be fun. So the first one, oh, so first, 10 to 20 episodes ago, I talked about unique alternatives to the coffin. Mm-hmm. So I talked about you can become a tree, you can blast it in space, you can become a cor- coral reef, all that good shit. Now we're just going to go through the ways that are like fucking you have money to spend and you want to be like loud and you want people like fucking notice you for your funeral. First one, ashes to portraits. So you can have your ashes mixed with paint and have an artist um, create whatever you want. That's cool. You can like meet the artist before and be like paint a portrait of me or like paint a portrait of Simone or an abstract or my favorite tree or this or that. And so then your piece of art can live on with your family and it has you in it. So you live with That's art. nice. I like that. Me too. I thought that was really pretty. It's like cool, like a haunted painting. Your, yours is just a giant penis. Yeah. <laughs> Tyler's is a giant penis. <laughs> the next one. Mine's a giant penis. Tyler's is a giant is penis. a giant, <laughs> like, girthy. My, no, mine is a portrait of a giant penis in the shadow of Tyler's giant penis. There we go. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm so going to do that for you. <laughs> Okay, so the next one is getting turned into a firework. So ashes are added to a firework of your choice, and you can have it go off during your funeral or during a special time. I want to know how much that costs. Probably a lot. My guess is a couple thousand at least. Yeah, you could probably even like we make be... it cost more and put multiple, you know, yeah. like put your ashes in like multiple fireworks. We could be our favorite firework, Corey, our golden <gasps> shower firework. That's what I would do. That is so oh, pretty. Shit. It would just be like... It'd be like a normal fireworks show, and then like the last five minutes is just like you, or no, just like the last minute is just like you shoot off like however much my age was, or just sixty nine. You shoot off sixty nine of those at once, and then they just shimmer over the like next minute, and everyone's just like, "Yay, bye, Corey!" Yeah, and that's it. And then I kill myself because oh my god, but we're doing it over water, so you can have or you're doing it at the beach. There you go, you got it. Yeah. Okay, the next one is well, these are all sad. These are none of these are like woohoo, uh-huh. yeah. But this next one would probably give me a panic attack. But it also sounds like something I would do. I'm scared. Um, so you can get your ashes compressed into a vinyl record. So oh, there yeah. are multiple companies that do it. So you can choose the music to put on it. You can choose multiple songs, a song, or you could even have a voice recording of your own voice to leave messages. So it could be like a playlist for people no. to play. So thought that was really sad. That's sad. That's a panic attack and a half, isn't it? Yep. So the last one I'm going to talk about. Oh, no, not the last one. I had to scroll down. I have more. I don't like the ones where you can like like that because it's like you can keep it and repeat it. Yeah. Whereas like the firework is like representative of your life where it was like in your life existed for that moment. and It was beautiful. Yeah. But it it ended because beautiful things end. Yeah. the, The vinyl just gives me a panic attack. But it's pretty, though. And like, especially it is, if like, it's like music it was really important in your family. Um, the next one is you can become a pencil set. So there's a company that makes a 240 pencil set, and the pencils are made from the carbon of a cremated your of your remains. Cool. Each pencil is foil stamped with the name of the dead person, um, and only one pencil can be removed at a time. 
and it is then sharpened back into the box, causing the sharpening, the sharp, the sharpenings, like the, the shavings. Scraps, shavings. There we go. To occupy the space of the used pencils, over time the the pencil box fills with sharpenings, shavings. Uh huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh lord. Sharpened shavings. I'm here, everybody. I'm fine. So it like create it becomes a new ash, transforming it into like cool. an urn. Yeah. And um, the window, because you can see like the shavings filling oh, up. It that's acts cool. as a timeline showing you the amount of pencils left as time goes by. That's so you a can cool see idea. like life gets better, it continues to go on. And then at the end, after you complete two hundred and forty pencils, you have their actual ashes then. That's cool. I thought that was really cool. Um you can also be blown into glass, which means you can be blown into a bong if you want. That's AO four twenty blaze it. Um, your ashes could be added to tattoo ink. Or a glass um, dildo. You can become a goddamn diamond ring if you want. Fuck yeah, bitch. You do you, boo. There are like a million yeah. fucking ways to be extra AF. You can have be. You can do a classic ass funeral or ha- you can have a funeral strippers. Or you could become a panic attack vinyl record. Or you can be turned to a firework. Yeah. So, Corey, what, what is your dream funeral? And like all seriousness. All seriousness? Yeah. I mean, I really do actually like the firework idea because it's very like pretty uh, metaphoric. Yeah. Um, I like that. I think that'd be cool. If like if money was no object. Yeah. I think I would be like I would have some of my ashes, half of my ashes go into a firework that that was at the end of a funeral that happened anywhere that was not in a religious place. Not in Utah. Yeah. So if if oh so I guess I guess this is a dream. Um, I guess my thing would be like everybody has like a beach barbecue. Oh, that's pretty. Yeah, so it's yeah. like a and happy... then probably watches my favorite film. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which I won't know. I don't know what it is. What it will be when I'm like. I'll old. tell you what it's not. It's definitely not two girls one cup. I mean, yeah, I'm gonna play two girls one cup at your fucking funeral. <laughs> no. I'm walk up and be like, Corey. You're gonna like you like have your phone and you go to the wake and you like have it on the you have it on the phone. You just like show my eyes. Like you open up my eyelids. I'm like, look, bitch. You're like, to, like ah, you come black back. holes. Yeah, you come back. Ew. Ew. I would come back and haunt the shit out of you. Oh my god. <laughs> I'd come and throw up in your mouth. Oh no. And shit in your mouth. <laughs> No, no, not Um, dead people throw up and shit. Right. Uh, Yeah, I think what it would happen is it would be like everybody just like goes and it's just like a little eulogy quick. People can say what they want. Yeah. Um, I guess like ideally, like I guess if this is like dream, like selfishly, I would not want it to happen in any religious place or any Mormon place. But the funeral isn't for me. It's for my family. So it could probably easily happen in a like fucking Mormon church. But there will be strippers. So it's fine Hmm. because it's for them. Um, and then we would probably just like watch her at least in this point in my life. Okay. If I died tomorrow, we'd yeah, everyone would watch her <laughs> <laughs> uh, from 2013. Um, and or a single one. man, it's either her or a single man. I'm mm-hmm. okay with either. And then, um, or Suspiria. I'll turn on the <laughs> everyone watches after. Suspiria. <laughs> <laughs> All the Mormons are like, What the fuck did we on... just watch? <laughs> yeah, the entire Not the remake, series. the the original 1969 version, I think. I'll turn on uh, M just because of your heart. Oh, yeah, on yeah, yeah. Steps, That's a good one. Be, you'd be like, What? Everyone's <laughs> like, Is this a message? <laughs> Was Corey a serial killer? And then it would end like, then there'd be like maybe a little bit more eulogy or whatever. I don't care. Um, and then everyone would just like, either still be on the beach okay um or walk out to the beach and then just like there'd be like a five minute fireworks show oh my god or a six minute and 90 second fireworks there we go (laughs) (laughs) yeah i like it 
well, with the shimmering firework thing that so I that's said. That's the most important part is yeah, the yeah, shimmering yeah, yeah, yeah. firework thing. So yeah, I like this whole day, not this whole day, the whole like 40 minutes I did the spooky scoop today. I was like, oh my God, death sucks. Yeah. It was giving me a whole fucking panic attack. Oh yeah, attack. we had our panic attack mid uh, mid episode. We did. Like yeah. in between recording this and the Patreon, like we had a panic attack, like 20 minute combo in the kitchen about death because Toulouse died and everything. Yeah. I don't know. And I've been thinking a lot about death lately. Cause yeah. And I thought about it yesterday. It's me. I'm always thinking about death. Yeah. Corey's thinking about death. Death, 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 death. death. Um, so first thing, Corey, if I die before you, you have to play gas pedal at some point. Yeah. I don't care where, <laughs> where you play it, what you play it on. Yes. But you have to play, and you okay. will cry. You I'll bitch. be in heels. Yeah, you. My family's like, why? <laughs> I'll be Thinking in heels with would... like, I'll be like in red heels, like Ooh. platform, I don't know, whatever you call it. Yeah, like red letters, four inch heels yeah, with like a long necklace, and at the end is a black dahlia. Oh, yeah, like a diamond black crystal black dahlia. Shit. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's all I want. <laughs> Funeral done. So Jordan, I don't know how serious he is about this, but it's not gonna happen. I'll tell you that right okay. now. He wants an unmarked grave in the desert. So, because you know, I don't think that's legal. It's it's Jordan. <laughs> yeah. So I, that's not happening. So I, if he dies before me, which I guess is more likely because he's older. Uh huh. I and would. Then die, yeah. I would scatter some of his ashes like in the desert because he loves the desert so much. Probably in our little spot in the desert, Moonrise Kingdom. Uh huh. But I selfishly want to be buried with him, like our ashes be buried together. And how Cute. I want it to happen is I want to be buried as a tree. I want yeah. our ashes to be added to like one of those tree pods and the tree, like the whole like eulogy and all that will be around like the planting site uh, cute. and like you have pictures of us and like, you know, we won't have kids. So like, I don't know what family would exist at that point, but hopefully people are there and yeah. we'll see what happens. But anyways, um, and at that point, by the time we both are dead, I would imagine all of our pets are probably passed away too. If I do the timing right, it's all about tricky timing with pets. You're like, whoops. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck. Anyway, Your cats are like 10. You're like, can you please die? I'm like, oh, I'm God, guys, die. I really need to die. I'm yeah. like, He's, you just start feeding up. them like fat. Yeah, right. <laughs> but what I would do is I would, so I would, let's say, scatter half of Jordan's ashes wherever he wants, whatever. But yeah. I would save half of his ashes and we would get buried together and become a tree mm. we probably bury the or plant the tree either like in the backyard of our home mm-hmm. or maybe in like the home of a loved one something where we know the tree's going to be okay for yes a million years pretty much so Makes everyone sense. can watch it grow up and then uh, after the, you're going to put our tree pod in the ground and then you're going to take the ashes of toulouse and simone and s'mores and all the other pets that we've had and then you'll kind of just open up the little ash boxes and sprinkle the ashes on top Aww. of our tree thing so they're not like inside of our unit, but they're around. So we're surrounded by our kids. And then you would plant it, have a whole eulogy, Corey to play gas pedal at some point. Uh, and I think I'd want everyone to listen to probably, I'll, I'd probably have a playlist because I always have a playlist for everything. Yeah. And it would be the mixture of like funny music, happy music, shit like that. And then I would have like violently vegan funeral food after oh, yeah, but yeah, then yeah. i would also have regular funeral potatoes just because <laughs> just i make here. the best funeral potatoes but there's in the world. like no matter how many people are there it's just one nine by 13 yes pan. that says friendsgiving yeah <laughs> <laughs> that says friends- yeah exactly everyone can just like go take like one spoonful <laughs> right but yeah i think i would just want the my funeral to be very like 
kind of like somber, not too crazy yeah. or anything. I just want it to be. And also, I I would want it to be like, oh, Jordan and Channa and their like little cat family are like together again. Yeah. And, like together, they're gonna grow into this like beautiful tree over time, and so people can sit under the tree one day, or yeah. maybe then. Other people can get buried near us. I don't really care. But I've always liked the idea of becoming a tree. Of like, And also, that's my way of giving back to the earth instead of mm-hmm. just like having a body in the ground. It's like, oh, I'm becoming something. I'm becoming part of the earth. Yeah, like part of more. the nutrients from yeah. your yeah, charred exactly. body. That. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'd want. Yeah, I think like, yeah, I, I, forgot, I said half I would want that. But I guess like the realistic half would be that. Would be basically that. Yeah. Would just be buried with a tree. Yeah. yeah. We could all, we what should kind all of have tree? a little grove. Mine would be either, I can't decide between a you a willow or willow, a pecan a willow has to be on the list because willows are spooky yeah i don't know that's a decision i'll have to make with jordan yeah. i don't know I it's like between you willow or pecan willows are spooky so that's why they're fun because they i can grow up i'm like Ooh, and i'm spooky are beautiful and grand yeah just like texas just like texas yeah. we should all get buried in a grove together and you can eat my pe- you can eat my nuts oh shit oh. <laughs> <laughs> I want to become a tree that looks like a vagina. Ooh. <laughs> a vagina tree. You Well, like, a when tree. it gets big enough, you can, like, specifically, like, Trim put, it. like, things in the main bark so it, like, forms around it to make a vagina. Everyone's like, fucking Cute. Channa. Cute. <laughs> it's Jordan's would be the middle finger. <laughs> but, yeah, that would be mine. Birdie's a tree with yeah. Jordan if, and the if, cats. If fireworks is realistic, it would be half that. It would be cool to be, like, the gold shimmer firework would be, That'd like. That would be beautiful. If I could do anything in the whole world. Just to like, it's like somber. Everyone's like, huh, huh. Then, yeah. poof, like the, it's firework. golden. It's a golden shower. It's the exact <laughs> firework that we both imagined that yeah. since we that were That literally shimmers till it's like 20 feet above your head. Yes. Yeah. And it looks like a willow. <laughs> it looks perfect. It looks like a yeah. dream. Jesus Christ. All right. Well, let's jump into our combined episode. Oh, did we mention that already? It's a combined episode. Oh, is it kind of a combined episode, bitch? <laughs> it's 35. So if you've been with us for a while, you should recognize that uh-huh. it's a combined episode every 10 episodes. Yeah. On the 10s, like for the, the 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, we have a guest. And or then, we, no, that's not true. Right? We're nope. lying. We've only ever had one guest. Oh, I'm lying to you. <laughs> that is not. <laughs> I'm lying. Every 10 episodes. So at 15, 25, 35, 45. Yeah, fifth was our Amityville. Yeah. 15 was? Uh, Slenderman. Slenderman. 25 was? Ted Bundy. Ted Bundy, And this yes. one is? And this is <gasps> Elizabeth Smart. Ooh. She was not. Or she was smart. To go she off of course, said, we, do, we will have guest stars. I just don't, like, we just don't have them. Well, yeah, like, again, like, I view, like, it's our podcast. The podcast formula that you subscribe to is to hear us, is us too. So once but, in a while, it's fun to have somebody, but not too often. Yeah, and they would probably maybe even become a bonus episode, too, or Patreon episode. Yeah, true, true. I don't oh, know. that's very true. Yeah. This is, this we're figuring out. Okay, so today we're doing the Elizabeth Smart episode. Now, let me give you some backstory in this episode. Yes. We this was supposed to be episode fifteen for you guys. It was. We I think talked about it during episode fifteen. We might have. Where we recorded the entire episode. We're like, shit, that was a good episode. We high fived, we twerked, called it a day. Corey was editing like two days later and the audio completely fucked up. Like to say fucked up was an understatement. Mm-hmm. And so we, we got back and we tried to record Elizabeth Smart, but we were both so out of it. We were like, Okay, no, we just need to come up with a new episode. We yeah. need to save Elizabeth, Elizabeth Smart. For one, we like kind of forget about what we talked about. Yeah. So that's why we did Center Man. And we have. I have forgotten. Yeah. So now we're back. So now we're back to Elizabeth Smart. And um, it's perfect timing. 
so, because it's easy for me because I already had this episode done because I am yeah, very broken. Yeah, we just needed to overlook our research. So, uh, but yeah, so you guys can finally hear the episode that we've been wanting to show you guys, share with you guys for, for tw- 20 episodes. For 20 episodes. So for 20 weeks. For, tw- for 20 weeks, Yay. this has been on our to-do list. And here we are, everybody. Here we are, bitch. Corey, you can okay. go ahead and take the lead. So... On June 5th of 2002, Elizabeth Ann Smart was kidnapped at the age of 14 by Brian David Mitchell from her home in the Federal Heights neighborhood of Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, She was held captive by Mitchell and his wife, Wanda Barzi, or Barzi. I still forgot to look up that name. It's chill. (laughs) (laughs) It's been 20 weeks. Yeah. (laughs) Wanda Barzee. It's it's Wanda B-A-R-Z-E-E. Yeah. Barzee. Brazier. Wanda. I think I made that same joke last time. You did, Brazier. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I'm so original. Okay, I'm not even going to look it up. Y'all deal with it. It's Brazier. Yeah, it's Brazier. She doesn't deserve a full name. She's a fucking criminal. (laughs) Um, so she was held captive by M- Mitchell and Wanda Brazier on the outskirts of Salt Lake City and then later in San Diego. She was held captive for about nine months before being identified and rescued. So we're setting the scene. Set the scene. So let's give you some backstory to Brian David Mitchell and Wanda Brazier. So <laughs> Brian was born on October 18th of 1953 in Salt Lake City, Utah and was the third of six children in a Mormon family. Also, before we go any further, we will we are doing this because we both obviously had, and semi-still have, like, ties to this story. It traumatized the fuck out of me. Yeah, because it hits closer to, you know, it hits, you know, it's scary to hear that a child was abductive, but then it's scarier to hear that a, a child that was also in your cult was abducted. <laughs> and for me, a cousin. <laughs> that then, yes. A very distant cousin <laughs> that it goes to Is she family still a first cousin? Uh, she's not a first cousin. Oh, she's like a second cousin. I don't know what number cousin oh, okay, she is, yeah. but I she's at a family reunion. So yeah, she's I, been at a family. I never reunion. talked to her though. Yeah. So I was like, "That's Elizabeth Smart," and I was like, "Ah." Okay, so in order to teach Mitchell about sex, his father reportedly showed him, uh, like him as a, like an adolescent, so like an early teen, explicit photos of a medical journal, journal, <gasps> um, and or and then in order to also teach him like independence and like survivability he would go like to a random spot in salt lake city and then just drop him off and tell him to find his own way home i mean this is like you know the 50s or early 60s still or so the adolescence probably like the mid 60s they didn't know the dangers that's true but i mean it's like salt lake city so it's like probably a lot you know safer because like provo is like the safest place relatively safer Yeah. yeah well it's not the safe place on earth. No, not mind. much. That anymore. girl got fucking shot in the face. Yeah. Like right next to my apartment. <laughs> right a stranger. Like I don't I still don't believe that happened. I don't I literally don't believe it happened. <laughs> that could be me. I'm if I get if I die from getting shot in the face by a stranger, I'm gonna be pissed off. Yeah, I'd be so fucking mad. That's so a super fucking way to mad. die. I'd be so mad. I would haunt the shit out of that guy. Yeah. Um also at age sixteen, Mitchell exposed himself to a child and he was oh, sent God. to Juvie. Um, then at 19, he married and had two children, but then got divorced. Uh, the mother of those children got custody, but Michael uh, temporarily like captured and fled with them to New Hampshire for two years. And while he was there, he joined a Hare Krishna uh, commune. Oh, so naturally. Cool. Interesting. Um, then in Salt Lake City, my, uh, Mitchell, sorry, he came back. He had two additional children with his second wife, who... Or sorry, who alleged that Michael was abusive during their marriage, and they divorced in 1984. Um, after their separation, 
She alleged that Mitchell had sexually abused their three-year-old son, and although the claim could not be like medically confirmed. Oh. Yeah. So who knows? God. Yeah, but like, you know, it's probably correct. Uh, yeah. <laughs> After, I mean, like, now what happens? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. One of the second's wife, uh, second's wife daughter, the one that you know we just went over. Um, do 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 do. Oh, or sorry. On top of that, he also allegedly abused, uh, sexually abused one of the wife's daughters from a different marriage for about four years while they were together. Jesus Christ. Um, so just like more just child sexual abuse, just ridiculous. That's disgusting. Um, on the day that Mitchell uh, divorced his second wife, he then married Wanda Elaine Brazier or Barzi Brazier. Brazier. Um, that was on November 6th of 1945. Um Brazier had a troubled relationship with her children. One of her daughters would later refer to her as a monster and claimed that as a child, Wanda fed the child her pet rabbit for dinner. <gasps> I forgot about that. Oh my God, that's Fuck fucked that. up. That's fucked up. Um, together, Mitchell and Brazier were actively involved in the LDS church, so Mormons. Um, What's up? Though Mitchell's religious views would become increasingly extreme, and I think he even is excommunicated. Um, Mitchell and Brazier eventually left the church. Yep. Okay. And began going by the name Emmanuel, oh. um, claiming to be a prophet of God who experienced prophetic visions. Brazier began going by the name uh, Hepsheba, um, and the two would panhandle and preach in downtown Salt Lake City. Question yes. for you, because you've been through the temple, and I don't know if you would want to answer this. Yeah, I don't care. If you want to edit this out or not. Um, but like Emmanuel and what was her name? Hepsheba. Hepsheba. Do yeah. those have like? Because, like, Emmanuel's, Hefzibah. like, God's name. Or I think it's Hephzibah instead of Hephzibah. Yeah, it's Hephzibah. Because yeah, Emmanuel's God's name, right? Or Jesus' name? Yeah, Emmanuel is Jesus' name. And yeah. what, like, it's a, what about Hephzibah? Hephzibah, um, I can actually look. I was thinking that. I was like, damn, I should have looked up the significance of that. Let me look that up. Okay, so um, in answer to Chana's question, we just looked up who Hephzibah is in the Bible. Hephzibah is the wife of King Hezekiah, uh, who was the king of Judah in oh. Second Kings. Okay. <laughs> well, that um, really gives me a lot of information. Her importance is that Hephzibah is also a symbolic name for Zion. Okay. Once it has been restored to the favor of Yahweh, which is the Jewish you know, word for God. Man. Yeah, for God. I'll tell you I'm right now, I did not pay attention at church. Yahweh. Oh, my God. Yahweh. <laughs> Shit. We were not <laughs> good church When you say goers. Yahweh, all I think about is the Mexican kid who's walking on the walking on the log, and the guy picks it up, and he's like, Yahweh, no me llames, way. And, you know, he... I don't think I've seen you have No, this is the original meme. This is the OG. Oh, my God, Chana, we are live watching this. <laughs> Look at this. Okay. I don't mean Mex- Mexican as in Hispanic. I believe he's truly Mexican in the way that he uses, like, Yahweh, no me llames, way. Into, <laughs> into <laughs> you literally might have been a little. You haven't seen fat Mexican fit oh, kid. Right. Yeah. We're watching it live because is that okay? Yeah. Oh yeah. Like he says Yahweh. Oh 
god! Oh I my god! Completely so forgot about that. So when everyone says Yahweh, that's all I think of. <laughs> that's I literally forgot about that entire thing. You did? Oh my yes, god! Yes, it's been like at least at least eight ten years. years right? Yeah. yeah. All right. Will you check my Anyways, thing again? That was my, a site. My oh, volume is oh, not. Oh shit! Probably got fucked up. Yeah. We are all probably fucked up. Whenever I don't think it's fucked up, it you're is. like, nah, it's not fucked up. <laughs> it's like, oh. Or you're like, yeah, I'm fucked up. <laughs> or it's like, yeah, I'm fucked up. Okay, so yeah, so basically her name is like referring to Zion when Yahweh, Yahweh. Uh, returns to the earth. Yeah. I don't know. So, or like gets all the 12 tribes of Israel back together. So again, I definitely did not pay attention <laughs> at church at all. Yeah. Like same. at all. I, I did for a bit. The Bible's fun. <laughs> the Bible has some good stories. It's fun. Joseph and Ten Car Dream Coat. We can just stop Gold. there. That's like Gold. what the first story of the Bible. Yeah. Uh huh. And that's the most fun one. The city of all those gays. Gold. Yeah. Love it. So and Book of Mormon, <laughs> boring as fuck. Yeah. Doctrine and Covenants, even more boring. Super wackadoo though. Send me to Babylon, or Sodom and Gomorrah. Send me to Daddy Daddy Lon. Daddy Lon. Daddy Bab. Babby Babby Lon. Daddy Lon. Daddy Lon. Hmm. There we go. All right, going back to some kidnapping. Yeah, um, Mitchell, so a uh, last little bit before we get to the abduction. Uh, Mitchell also presented himself in an image akin to Jesus, dressing in white robes and tunics and also growing a beard. Ugh. So now let's get to the abduction. Early in the morning on June 5th, 2002, Mitchell broke into the house of Edward and Lois Smart, where they lived with their six children. He abducted 14-year-old Elizabeth from the bedroom. She shared with her nine-year-old sister, Mary Catherine, who was awakened but pre- pretended to be asleep. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, Mary uh, reports that a white man about the height of her brother, Charles, which is about five, five feet, eight inches, uh, who is about 30 or 40 years old, wearing light-colored clothes and a golf hat, um, broke in. Uh, he was actually wearing uh, black and, and did not have a golf hat, and he was 48. Um, he had dark hair and also dark hair on his arms and on the back of his hands. The man threatened Elizabeth with a knife, uh, which Mary Catherine thought was a gun at the time. Oh my God. Um, when Elizabeth said, ouch, after stubbing her toe on a chair, Mitch- Mitchell said something that sounded like, you better be quiet and I won't hurt you. <gasps> Um, she heard Elizabeth ask, why are you doing this? And though the answer was not clear, Mary Catherine, Mary, so Elizabeth again, Elizabeth Smart is the one being captured. Mary Catherine is the nine-year-old is, girl yeah. acting like she's asleep, watching literally in the same captured. room, watching her sister get captured like, by a scary man. Like he could turn around and just look at like, her Like just stab eyes. her. Yeah. yeah. Or take her too. Oh my God. Yeah. Fuck that. Oh my God. I have chills up my whole body. Yeah. Just imagine. Just imagine like you're a kid. And, like, you open your eyes and saw a, a man taking your sister out the window yeah. right next to you. Like, you could reach out and touch him. Just Mm-mm, imagine. Fuck that. I would forever be scarred. And she's nine? Yeah. Uh-huh. I would, like, lock windows and doors every night. How could you not be scarred? I feel just the, the, the guilt. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Um, and so, although the answer was not very clear, uh, Mary Catherine, the little nine-year-old girl, thought that the answer might have been for ransom. Like, quote, for ransom. Okay. Um, so although Mitchell spoke to Elizabeth quietly, Mary Catherine thought Mitchell's voice seemed somehow familiar, but she could not pinpoint where or when she had heard it. Uh, remember that tidbit, because you actually will get into that later, yeah. if I remember 20 weeks ago. No, I'm not the one that gets into it. Maybe I am. Oh. No, I don't think so. I remember you saying it last time. I think you are the one that You're gets You're like, into I'm going to get into that. Oh, fuck. <laughs> 
no, I don't talk. I talk. Mine's the whole where is she now. Mine's just the trial. Oh shit. Okay. Now. Okay. Cool. Then I think I do get then into you get it. Into okay. It. Okay. Uh, so just remember that little tidbit. <laughs> um, when she thought Elizabeth, so so when the little girl Mary thought Elizabeth and the abductor had gone, Mary Catherine started for her parents' bedroom, but narrowly avoided being seen by Mitchell and Elizabeth, who were outside the bedroom of the family's of the family's boys' room. Um, so basically, she is like, "Hey, cool. I think the coast is clear." She walks out into the hallway, and then she sees um mitchell standing there with elizabeth like looking into the boys room oh my god she just like looks down the hallway and this big ass man is staring into her brother's room all he needed to do was turn around yeah um so she gets scared goes back to her bed and then uh sleeps for or like just does not sleep yeah <laughs> stays in her bed until about 4 a.m with the, which they uh predicted was about two hours she just laid in bed like scared shitless oh my god yeah um Mary Catherine then woke her parents and told them what had happened, thinking she had been daydreaming. They did not believe her until they found the screen window that had been cut with a knife. And that also, you know, Elizabeth oh was fucking Oh, my God. Lying. Could you fucking imagine? Yeah. Like, fuck that. Like, ev- just imagine everybody's perspective of this. What the fuck? This is everyone's biggest fear of being kidnapped. Someone climbs through your window to kidnap you. Yeah. This isn't from, like, a goddamn, like, grocery store. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's ridiculous. Um, so the next day... Um, at six, Ed and Lois were on television and plead for their kidnapper to return uh, their daughter. A massive regional search effort organized by the Laura Recovery Center involved up, involving up to 2,000 volunteers each day, um, as well as dogs and planes. She once heard her uncle, uh, she even like during this time when this happens, basically, I wrote a note that she basically uh, even uh, accounts, so Elizabeth Smart later accounts that during this time, this search, like the day after, she uh, accounts hearing her uncle calling for her, but was unable to answer. Whoa. Yeah. Fuck. So, like, as they're doing this search, it worked. Like, they, like, she heard people looking for her, she, but she, she was, was too afraid. Yeah, too afraid to answer her call. Um, various websites carried flyers that could be printed or circulated via the internet. After many days of intensive searching, the community led search was ended by efforts where, uh, sorry. <clears throat> So various websites carried flyers that could be printed or circulated via internet. Um, after many days of intensive searching, uh, the community-led search was ended and efforts were directed to other means of finding Elizabeth. Mary Catherine's observations were of little use. The little girl's observations weren't very helpful. I mean, she's nine and scared shitless and it's yeah. dark like, and you just woke up. like, yeah. Your sister's gone. Like The, the guilt she feels. Exactly. Everything. And the confusion of even what happened. Like, Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. Um... And there was also little usable evidence found at the scene, um, such as uh, there were no fingerprints or DNA, and a search using bloodhounds was also unsuccessful. Um, The investigation, though, did have a side effect of returning several at-large criminals to prison that had broken out. Oh, really? Um, Yeah, even though Elizabeth was not found in this initial first search. Um, The Salt Lake uh, City Police considered Richard Rickey, a person of interest early into the investigation. Ricky was a handyman with a history of drug abuse who had worked for the Smarts. Um, he had been jailed on an unrelated parole violation prior, but it obviously ended up not being him. Yeah. So let's go to what's happening while this huge initial search is going on. Let's go to what's happening with Elizabeth Smart. So pretty much like all of Salt Lake City is just going crazy. Is going crazy. And this yeah. is making like national news like yeah. i was hearing about it in california you're hearing about it in texas oh yeah everyone's my hearing parents about are it like hey some mormon girl got captured after her dad like uh, you know he went to go work for the house and yeah. we'll get to that in a second yeah crazy it's just so crazy to think like everyone was out there looking for her yeah crazy 
Yeah, and they don't find her. And she even hears her uncle calling out and for she her. Hears She's her like, uncle. what the fuck? <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. Um, so after her kidnapping, Smart was taken by Mitchell into the woods to an encampment outside of Salt Lake City where she was met by Wanda Brazier. Uh, this is quoting her talking about her kidnap. She, or Elizabeth said, Wanda eventually just proceeded to wash my feet and told me to change out of my pajamas into a robe type of garment. And when I refused, she said if I didn't, she would have Brian Mitchell come rip my pajamas off. Oh, I put the robe on. He came and performed a ceremony, which was to marry me to him. After <sighs> that, he proceeded to rape me. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, Mitchell claimed to be an angel and also told Smart uh, that he was a Davidic king who would, quote, emerge in seven years, be stoned by a mob, lie dead in the streets for three days, and then rise up and kill the Antichrist, end quote. I wrote next to this, oh, my God, Mormon shit. That is, uh, that is like, some, I think that's not just Mormon shit, but I think that's also from the Book of Revelations, mm. where in the end of times, one of the key indicators of the end of times will be uh, it's two or three prophets. Or, or I think it's two prophets pr- proselyting in the streets of Jerusalem yeah. will die and their b- bodies will lie in the street for three days and then they will be resurrected. Oh, I remember hearing about that when I was a kid and I was like, whoa, what yeah, the I fuck? Can't believe, I can't remember if that's more Mormon shit or actual Book of Revelations. I think it's Book of Revelations. That's cool. Yeah. Um, so Mitchell. Cool stories. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool story, bro. Cool story, bro. <laughs> you should make that into some fan fiction online. Yeah. Oh, you should, wait. You should, like, make a bunch of people believe it. Like, it's real. And, yeah. And, like, see how much money you can get out of it. Yeah. Oh, and, like, like let's, like, hate gays and women. I think that's a good business plan. While we're at plan. it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Mitchell told Smart that she was the first of many uh, virgin brides that he planned to kidnap, oh each God. of whom would accompany him as he battled the Antichrist. <laughs> okay. You crazy motherfucker. Um, this is also backed up by uh, this, like, threat or, you know whatever saying to Elizabeth is backed up because Mitchell also allegedly attempted to kidnap smarts cousin, Jessica uh, Wright a few weeks later, but that did not happen. It was unsuccessful. How was that unsuccessful? Um, I don't know. I didn't go into it. Sorry. It's crazy. Maybe she has an alarm system or something. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe she just woke the fuck up That's true. <laughs> and she's like, what the fuck? Well, I'm sure like Elizabeth's family and like everyone was on. High oh yeah. Probably at this alert. time you're like on high alert. Uh-huh. Yeah. I would like sleep with my children. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, so during this fir- first part of the captivity, while they're in this like, you know, encampment, Smart was shackled to a tree with a metal cable, which allowed her limited mo- mobility outside of the tent that she occupied. Uh, she was also forced to take a new name and chose Esther after Esther of the Old Testament. Um, and also uh, Mitchell would call her uh, Shira Jashiba, which is probably also some Old Testament shit. I don't know. Um, it was later re- revealed during court testimony that Mitchell repeatedly raped Smart during this time, sometimes multiple times a day, Ugh. forced her to look at pornographic magazines, and regularly threatened to kill her. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, Mitchell would also force her to drink alcohol and take drugs to lower her resistance on, on top of that and frequently starved her and fed her garbage. Oh, so my God. So even though that is just like a, a huge level of depravity, um, we will also say like insight to this. To force her, a Mormon girl, to drink alcohol and take drugs. And look at porn. And look at porn, y'all, is so much more impactful than you can imagine as a Mormon person. Because you grew up, well, one, like, the thing about sex, like, I grew up, and I'm sure Corey's similar experiences, where they said, like, premarital sex, especially, like, unless you get married in the temple, it's like spitting in the face of God. Yeah. And, like, if you have sex like that, like, you're pretty much 
bound uh-huh. to go to hell or outer darkness and looking at pornography is like pretty much equally as bad yeah and like drinking alcohol it's it's more of a big deal than murder in the mormon church yeah. like looking at pornography alcohol drugs so to make like a little girl do this after all she's learned her entire life was to not do it to make her go through that i mean it's the horrible horrible traumatic impact that has on her life still to this yeah. day of with with the shame that comes along yeah. with that from being and, Mormon. And to drink alcohol and then even way more so to take drugs, like before you actually do it, you like really honestly feel like you are like defiling your body. You are. Like until you do it and you're like, oh, this is just what regular people, well, especially for alcohol yeah, and probably weed. Like you're like, before you do any of that, especially like when you're a teenager and you go to a party, you're like, no, like I'm not drinking alcohol because that's like, Satan. one of the worst things i can do that's yeah, satan exactly. tempting me so to be forced that especially as like a young teen um that elizabeth smart was like like in like after all after she gets through all of this you know um and there's like the ex- expected baggage and trauma or not baggage but the expected trauma of being kidnapped and repeatedly raped like on top of that i'm sure in the back of her mind there is some evidence of like but I like now I've drank alcohol and I've done drugs because this guy forced me. Well, to. she's talked about it actually, and how a lot of people in the church treated her poorly because of it, because yeah. she had because they didn't treat it as a rape, they treated it as premarital sex, and they treated it as her drinking alcohol and stuff, and so it took her like years. Oh, and like someone compared her to a chewed up piece of gum, things like that. Oh my so, god! Yeah, fuck so that person. It's like she when she after she was back and she returned to the church and stuff. You know, her, her life was full of shame and people and you know she had people supporting her and that were there for their there for her but there was also people that treated her like it was her fault and um yeah it's it's pretty fucked up jesus christ yeah so like again we're not trying to like diminish the effects and trauma of being kidnapped and raped but we're just adding like on top of that obvious like life altering trauma. The Mormon stuff adds. There's to it. even like more added to it yeah, of like how much you are a used chewed up piece of gum now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's fucked up. And, and you're that's a how young she kid. must she must feel too of like holy shit like I am not perfect and clean anymore because I've done drugs. Yeah, and on top of like the whole time she's thinking like oh I'm gonna die any day now like yeah. I'm gonna die any day now and like I've done all these sins yeah. and whatnot like. Ah, the yeah, guilt, the shame. There's just so much. Like we can't even comprehend. Like it's just. It so makes much, me feel sick. Like, makes me just feel ugh, sick. Levels of guilt and shame. Yeah. So during all of this, uh, Brazier uh, did nothing to like stop uh, Mitchell, or, or you know David Mitchell, or Brian David Mitchell. Sorry, he has like Emmanuel. three first names for his entire fucking name. Right. That's that's a that's red flag number one. Right. <laughs> um. So uh, she did nothing to stop, you know, Brian Mitchell doing this um, and even encourage the activity. Uh, Smart even is quoted later referring to her as the most evil woman she has ever met. Damn. Which makes total sense. Yeah. This period goes on for about the span of two months um, while she's being, you know, raped multiple times a day, told she's going to die the next day, fed garbage, drugged, and like made to be drunk and fed alcohol and stuff like that. Um, She... uh, actually sometimes does go out in public with Mitchell and Brazier. Um, she goes out on public on numerous occasions, but her presence is either obscured or unnoticed via, via various methods of concealment, um, where she would also, she would most of the time wear like a headscarf or a veil covering her face. Um, but then on August of 2002, about two months after she was kidnapped, 
a Mitchell Brazier and uh, and Elizabeth Smart visited the Salt Lake City Public Library. What's up? And so that's like right where Pride happens. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so there, they were basically noticed by some li- library patrons because they're dressed up weird. The guy is like probably dressed up sort of like Jesus. She has a head garb on. Um, and like a veil covering her face. Like that's so, weird even for Utah standards. We have polygamists walking around. Right. So they're just like sitting at a table and one of the library people come up to her, come up to them and they're like, hey, um, like how are y'all? And starts making chit chat and then looks at Elizabeth Smart and notices her eyes oh. and just like something about them that was like, help me. Or they looked familiar to her. And so she started to inquire more on what's going on. But the whole time Mitchell's just talking to her. Or this person, I just assume it's a woman. Yeah. Um, and because a woman would just be more aware of that, yeah. I feel. And so. <laughs> yeah. I guess I, and whenever I think of a librarian, my first, I always think Oh, of, I guess, yeah, a librarian. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. I'm the problem. Yeah. I'm the goddamn problem. <laughs> We're the problem. <laughs> We're the problem. <laughs> so Mitchell's just responding to this person. And then they start to ask, like, hey, starts to ask questions particularly to Brazier and particularly to Elizabeth Smart. But then Mitchell jumps in and is like, hey, they can't speak because women can't speak in public. And then she's like, and then they're like, hey, can you just, like, reveal and, and say that th- they aren't this person who's missing because, like, we need that. And then he's like, no, it's part of our religion. We can't take off our garb in public. Women can't do that in public. And so... uh Oh, basically, sorry, she has this initial conversation, and then the policeman comes over and does this. Okay. Um, and the police ask those questions, and then the, and Mitchell's like, we can't do this on the basis of religious, like, you know, practices that we Could have. Could you imagine you're Elizabeth? You're staring at a police officer? Yeah. So I Elizabeth, would just take off my mask and just, like, scream. I know. Uh, but so Elizabeth claimed that later Brazier signaled to her not to move and gripped her legs under the table. She later, like, this is quoting her recalling the incident. She said, I felt like hope was walking out of the door. I was mad at myself that I didn't say anything. Mad at myself for not taking the chance. So close. I felt terrible that the detective hadn't pushed harder. He just walked away. Oh, damn. That's heartbreaking. Yeah. I think I would be in such fuck it mode that, like, I would at that point probably yeah. assume I was going to die But at anyways. the same time, like, we haven't been repeatedly raped, drugged. And like fed garbage and, and just manipulated, de- depraved, yeah, degraded for two straight months. Yeah, and yeah. like like oh, I'm gonna hurt more people. I'm gonna hurt you, hurt your family. Yeah, I'm gonna go kidnap your cousin. Blah yeah. blah 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 blah. Oh my god! Yeah. And you're like what, fourteen, sixteen, something? Yeah, like that? Um, you're a child. So um, then, in September of 2002, so just about a month later, probably after that close call, um, Mitchell and Brazier leave Salt Lake with Smart and reco- relocate to San Diego County in California. We've been there for Pride. We've been there for Pride. Woo! Uh, where they held Smart in an encampment uh, in a dry creek bed uh, by, or in Lakeside. Uh, Mitchell and Brazier uh, relocated with Smart several times to different encampments in San Diego County, often moving uh, in the middle of the night to avoid, you know, like any significant uh, detection. Okay, so then finally in October, so just another month later, um, a, a Smart sister, Mary Catherine, that same nine-year-old girl that okay. like laid there in bed, um, she suddenly realized that the abductor's voice was that of a man of the family that she knew as Emmanuel, an unemployed man whom the family had hired for that day to work on the roof and rake leaves. This was a practice, um, like when I was told the story, and, and this is real too, um, they were just a really nice Mormon family. And so the dad and mom would just find people that needed work on the side of the road or just like beggars. Uh-huh. And they would say like, hey, come and do yard work and we'll pay you. My family is so not trustworthy of anybody. Yeah. My family's like, fuck, fuck that. you. Fuck that. We locked the doors. Like in our... I'll just like, I'm just going to like, you know, like 
r- roll down their window like an inch and then just be like eh. yeah like here's a fucking <laughs> no i wouldn't do that here's That's, a mcdouble uh, yeah but like but don't if i had a daughter yes oh my god <laughs> yeah my mom was just a psychopath about anybody yeah um so um so she recognized that the voice was of a man that she knew that had like worked on their house um, the police were skeptical because of the short time that Emmanuel had worked for the family um, and then the long time that had elapsed since then. But again, like uh, Mary Catherine just says that out of blue. She's like, oh, my God. Yeah. Like, I, you know, she said she had recognized him before and then, and then says it and it finally hits her. Even though the police like are like skeptical about this, um, the, the family has a sketch artist draw Emmanuel's face from the descriptions of everybody in the family. So they're like, OK, Mary, we got it. Like, let's all think of how he looks like. Tell the okay. sketch artist and they make a sketch. Um, this is released on uh, all over the media in Utah, all over the media, all over the place. It was shown on Larry King Live and America's Most Wanted. And the drawing was eventually recognized by the family of Brian David Mitchell, who gave the police contemporary photos of him. So then finally, on March two, uh, 12, 2003, Mitchell was spotted with two women in Sandy, Utah, which is literally a 30-minute drive from and here, a 15-minute drive from my house. In a Walmart parking lot, right? In a Walmart parking lot, Yeah. Uh, they were seen by a couple who had seen Mitchell's photos on the news. The women, the women were Elizabeth Smart and, uh, you know, uh, Wanda Brazier. Whatever. That um, and they were described. They were disguised in a gray wig, sunglasses, and a veil. Um, they were recognized by officers during questioning, and then Mitchell and Brazier were arrested. Damn. Yeah. Um, they had event. They had apparently just made their way back to Utah to also continue avoiding people. And I don't know why they didn't work know, out so well. Yeah, I know I go back to them. Utah. Yeah. Right. Stupid. Yeah. Uh, once they were arrested, Elizabeth smart was then reunited with her family. So now let's move on to the very, very, very long trial. So Mitchell told authorities that he believed he was a prophet and God told him to kidnap Elizabeth for a wife. Based off of this, the court requested that Mitchell undergo a competency evaluation. So while awaiting the evaluation, Mitchell was incarcerated in the Utah State Hospital. Dr. Stephen Golding, who is a psychologist hired by the defense, concluded that Mitchell was not competent to stand trial. The court, however, um, superseded Golding's opinion and found Mitchell to be competent in 2004. This started a long battle of plea negotiations. And I mean long. Long and hard. Like that could be like an entire episode in itself. Maybe it'll be a case file. Maybe not. I don't know. Because normally like plea negotiations isn't that interesting to yeah, no, yeah, true. Yeah, again, there's like a ton of information, but we again, we're just here to give you like the good stuff, the good stuff, the overview. You don't want to hear about please. This isn't a lawyer podcast. Yeah. So long story short, Mitchell was found to be mentally ill per the defense and deemed competent to stand trial on March first, two thousand ten. So set so seven years after his arrest, he was finally God damn seven years to Fuck even that. finally get to an actual trial. So Mitchell's trial began on November eighth, two thousand ten. The defense acknowledged that Mitchell was, in fact, responsible for the crimes, but contended that he was legally insane at the time of the crime and should, therefore, be found not guilty by reason of insanity. The insanity defense for Mitchell was struck down on December 11, 2010, um, when the jury found him guilty of kidnapping and transporting a minor across state lines with the intent to engage in sexual activity. U.S. District Judge Dale Kimball that is such a Mormon. That is the most Mormon. That is name the most Mormon name. Life. I Bishop Kimball, President Kimball. Yeah. I know Kimball a Kimball. Kimball is the like 
most Mormon last name ever. Yeah, this is the most Mormon-ass man that exists on this earth. Anyways, he sentenced Mitchell to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Thank you. Mitchell is currently serving his sentence at the United States Penitentiary in Tucson, Arizona, which is a high-security federal prison. Yeah, yeah. Wanda Brazier eventually pled guilty and was sentenced to 15 years in state and federal prison. She was released on September of 2018, which Elizabeth protested. She's currently living in Salt Lake City, which I'll get to in a second. She should be put in jail. Um, So where is Elizabeth Smart now? So since her abduction, Smart has gone on to become an advocate for missing persons and victims for sexual assault. Yes. So let's talk about some of the things she's done with her platform. So she went before Congress to support sexual predator legislation in the Amber Alert system. And on July 26, 2006, she spoke after signing the Adam Walsh Act. The Adam Walsh Act is uh, an act that organizes sex offenders into three tiers according to the crime committed. The tiers determine how often the offender needs to update their whereabouts. Um, She is also like the main reason why the the Amber Alert became uh, a nationwide thing. Sorry, I interrupted. What would you look at the time? <gasps> it's been happening to me a lot. At least we passed three twenty-seven. It's been hap- three thirty-three. Has been happening to me a lot. You're you're my you're fucked. You're yeah, fucked, Corey. I'm fucked. There's no other way. Like a lot recently. Like how 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 a lot? Like I would say once or twice a week. It's never. It, oh my god. If I include daytime, I would say once or twice a week for the past month and a half. <gasps> Oh my god. Uh-huh. Okay. I'm gonna do I'm gonna pick out a really spooky true. And, and recently I've been waking up, thankfully, at like three like last night I woke up in the middle of the night at like three thirty nine. Oh my god. But three times three is nine. Oh my god, Corey. <laughs> Every time I wake up I'm like, God damn it! Ah Cause I mean but it's it's natural to wake up in the hour of three AM after going to bed like two three hours earlier. Um, Because it's like two, that's like two sleep cycles later. Totally. And I need to pee. It's every time I need to pee. I don't just wake up for no reason. You need need to to go to the bathroom and look in the mirror at three o'clock in the morning. Shut the fuck up, Chana. (laughs) (laughs) Corey's dead. Corey's dead. Okay, so moving on to this wonderful human being, Elizabeth Smart. Sorry, yeah. Going past, ignoring the fact that Corey may or may not be being possessed Possessed. or uh, stalked (laughs) by noob. Haunted by noob. So she also created the Elizabeth Smart Foundation. This is taken directly from elizabethsmartfoundation.org. The Elizabeth Smart Foundation is an organization that convenes the proven efforts of partner organizations to not only prevent future crimes against children, but to address victims, survivors, and families with the resources and community they need to encourage hope and empower their future. Yeah, but that was taken straight from her from do, from her uh, organization. Oh, okay. So yeah. basically, like her foundation partners with other foundations, organizations to fight against um, child sex trafficking and oh, child okay. kidnapping. And they their whole job is to connect them to the right organizations or provide the correct resources to help them pretty much rehabilitate and get back to regular life or help families that are looking for their kids. Okay. So it's pretty cool. Now, in February 2014, um, Elizabeth testified before the Utah State House of Representatives in favor of um, House Bill 286, and that is a bill that would create an optional curriculum for use in Utah schools to provide training on sexual and child sexual abuse prevention, which is pretty huge because Utah is pretty notorious for the horrific um, sex ed that they have here. Yeah. Like Jordan was still taught uh, about like abstinence where we were taught about like condoms and, 
any form of birth control, but they were only taught abstinence. So that is why Utah has a really high like the appropriate birth control is abstinence. Abstinence. Yeah, I think that is mentioned because it needs to be in Texas, or at least when I was in seventh grade. That's not the bold underlined goal. Fifth grade, but yeah, it's like there are also condoms. Yeah, my school like threw condoms at us, like like a fucking. Like oh, we'd yeah. be running across I don't campus, even think we were, I don't think we were given condoms. Oh yeah. No. We were. They're were like, take ten, you fucking sluts. Yeah, like, I don't that's even think we, we talked about sex. Or like we didn't address I think it was like, hey, this is puberty and this is what the vagina is and this is what the penis is and this is what sex is and birth is. Like, but you should not have sex until you are eighteen. Mm. My yeah. school is like, Yeah, you guys fuck under the bleachers. Yeah. Hucking fucking condoms at us like it's the yes. goddamn candy catch him with your mouth literally catch him crazy. with your pussy it was crazy um continuing with elizabeth smart uh <laughs> she was given a talk and she she has given talks after talks after talks from ted talks to university talks to more talks uh-huh. and, um just about her healing from sexual abuse and how to take back your own power and realize your own worth and a yeah. lot of that came from her um you know trials with the church after she oh, just where you get to the shitty ass BYU shit. Yeah, we're about to get to the shitty yes. ass BYU shit. Everyone, like perk the fuck up. So she Elizabeth has used her platform to inspire, give hope, heal, um, and catch and investigate predators. She is an investigative reporter for Crime Watch Daily. Uh-huh. She has covered a variety of cases and helped take down kidnappers and rapists. There was a case in particular that stood out to me because Corey and I both went to the school. Here we go. Brigham Young University Provo sexual yep. assault victim number one of thousands. Five thousand. But I'm just talking about billion. two specific victims today. First victim I'm going to talk about is Haley Allen. Haley started dating a guy who seemed like her dream man's. He was the great, perfect little Eagle Scout Mormon bro. They went for a car ride. They started making out. He tried grabbing her boobs. She told him to stop. Um, and he would continue grabbing her and kissing her, and she kept on saying, stop, stop, I don't want to. He climbed to the back seat, and he demanded that she get back there with her. She refused, and, and he yelled at her, saying to either get back there or walk home. So she looked at him, opened up the car door, and walked home. Fuck yeah, girl. A week later, he texted her and said he wanted to go on a car ride and talk about it to apologize because he realized how inappropriate his behavior was. Being the nice Mormon girl, we are trained yeah. to say, okay, that's no problem. We'll do whatever you want, sir, yeah. man. So just like she was trained since her fucking birth, she got in the car with him and uh, he the car. The conversation first started like really, you know, generic. It was very like small talky, um, just basic ass questions. How school did you do you have the science notes, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then he told her that he made a special drink for her, special hot cocoa. He Again, to- we as Mormons don't usually drink up in, or grow up in any party atmosphere. We don't go to parties. We're told to just avoid any any alcohol or drugs or anything at all. So you wouldn't, you know, you haven't been taught how to like not take any drinks from people yeah. at a party or anything like that. Yeah, like she. So she said originally she wasn't thirsty because she like really wasn't thirsty. Yeah. But he was like, no, like I really made it for you. Like, can you just at least give it a sip? Like, give it a try. Yeah. So she drinks them because she wanted to be polite, and uh, she immediately started to feel dizzy. Um, when he realized that she was beginning to pass out, he pulled his car to the side of the road, he parked, and he threw her into the back seat. She became lucid and realized her pants were off, and he was rubbing himself against her. She started saying, don't put it in me. And he laughed and said, your first time, and you aren't going to remember it. And then he proceeded to God rape her. fucking damn it. <laughs> oh, my God. 
Oh my god, that makes I'm, me I'm want so to angry. like stab every straight man in the world. I'm so angry. Like in the fucking dick. I want to cry and scream. Yeah. The next victim is Colleen Dietz. So Colleen, she went to her friend's house and she was listening to music when he just drugged her. She became lucid and found herself naked, being pulled off his bed to get raped. Her rapist was wearing full-on head-to-toe Celestial Kingdom mm. temple garb. Now, Corey, you want to explain to the listeners how about did he garb? get? How did he like? Why? Why? Okay, so if you just go online and if you go to Google and you type in Mormon temple gown. Um, what should uh, pop up is for men and women, basically like a Ooh. weird ass looking cultish white garb. With men the- are wearing a hat. Women have a sort of veil on them. Yeah. There's like a weird apron, Pillsbury white hat. Yeah. Pillsbury, Pillsbury doughboy it's hat. This whole you thing. also have uh, on top of it is a it looks like a green, uh, a green loincloth, which is supposed to represent like what Adam and Eve wore in the yeah. garden to cover up their nakedness when they partook of the you know the fucking fake ass tree of knowledge <laughs> when the story happened <laughs> when the story when the story remember when that bedtime story to control you happened yeah, yeah. Um, um so what is the like can you explain to them like the significance of the temple garb like why this is so okay shocking? so the temple garb has weird. multiple difference is to or like multiple like what's so shocking about it is that you when you go to the temple you're there are two main things that happen in the temple one is you're called your endowment and one is called your ceiling or, or there's washing and anointing and endowment and th- that's like two parts of one thing and then the second one is being sealed in, in the temple for all eternity with your your wife or husband and your family so those are the two main things that happen. Um, the temple garb, which you usually wear, I forget if you wear it during the ceiling. I don't think you do wear all of it. But where the temple garb that we're talking about that he was wearing is what you... It's like the most sacred thing. Yeah, it's what you wear during the endowment. Um, and it's supposed to have different symbols or like metaphors. It's supposed to symbolize different things of like, you know, a covenants that you make with God to get like an endowment, a gift. Uh, from God of like protection and power and just like more spirituality. And it's like the most, like no one can just look. Yeah. No one's supposed to be able just to see what it looks like. The only people who are supposed to know what temple garb even looks like are people who. Yeah. The fact that we're talking about with you would make my mom and dad literally gasp and tear up. Yeah. And like I could get excommunicated right now, probably for even for speaking. Possibly. And I've never even been in a temple. Yeah. You would definitely have like a hearing of the stake presidency council. And I'd be like, Oh buddy, that's not the worst (laughs) thing I've done. (laughs) I'm like, where should we start? (laughs) Forty (laughs) six? You're like, so there I was pegging. <laughs> yeah, so there I was pegging Jordan. This is after our acid Drunk. trip or two. <laughs> In our acid trip. <laughs> Screaming, feminism. They're like, did you say feminism? Spanking him with the Book of Mormon. We do. Our our, our spanking Book of Mormon is under our bed right yes. now. Next to our strap-on yes. tools, dildos, Currently lube, levitating. handcuffs. It's all the good stuff. So, um, so yeah, just super important and super sacred. Like it is like a in order like one, it is the crazy holiest, to thing. rape anybody. Period and horrific. But, but again, to rape like, her in temple garb is the most fucked is, up Mormon thing. Is so that could fucked possibly up. happen, it especially is like sinister and like ridiculous, malevolent. Yeah. Yes. Those those are the perfect yeah. words to describe the yeah. fuckery of the situation. Now this rapist. He kept her, he kept Colleen Dietz locked in his bedroom for two days. She was naked, tied to his bed, and he was- What the she, fuck? He forced her into being a sex slave. Are they just in like, 
I don't know. Are they just in Provo, like south of campus? Yeah, just like he lives in a dorm with like three other, or not in a dorm, but he lives with like two Uh, or three other dudes. Yeah, other people are for sure there. People don't live by themselves when they go to BYU. What the fuck? You have to have roommates. Yeah, you don't. So I think he probably continuously drugged her and, you know, tied her up naked and had sex with her in Temple Guard for multiple days. The fact that people like think that they can do this to other people. It's disgusting. Just like on the first level is just ridiculous. It's disgusting. Exactly. Um, he, after two days, after he was done with her and tired of her, he forced her to shower because she was dirty and filthy in the eyes of the Lord and in his eyes. What a eyes. fucking bitch. She was unpure. She was impure. She wasn't worthy. She's disgusting. She's a slut. Do we know She's the name whore. of this man? No, I don't. God damn it. I want to murder him. If I knew his name, he would be dead I want to know him and then just like send him shit. Yeah, literal shit. Literal shit. I want us. I want to. You. We should have people. Everyone we know shit on Temple Garb. No, we can't do him. that. We can't do that. That you can actually go to jail for that. Really? Um, for that, like, for yeah, like you can't. If we like called a mass of people through a platform, mm. um, and like went to go harass him, he could legally like get send us to jail. Oh, I thought you meant uh, <laughs> we could go to jail for sending someone poop, and I was like, really? Oh, That's yeah, you crazy. actually. Mi- oh, actually, mailing it. Yeah. Because I guess you could throw it at their door, but you couldn't yeah, nail it. But no, but also like gathering a group of people to harass somebody mm. is, yeah. Um, yeah, <laughs> Editing. I, wasn't, I wasn't meaning that literally. Oh, I know, I know we were not literally <laughs> meaning that, but also I just want to say. We, there could be fanatics out there. <laughs> I was like, please don't anybody do that. Please don't anybody do that. So both girls, they were going to BYU. Now, for those of you who are slightly familiar with BYU or not, uh, BYU has this thing called the honor code, and the honor code prohibits uh, sexual misconduct. Um, so when the girls came and like told BYU about the situation, and also facilitates BYU turned the situation around on the girls and blamed them. So we're gonna talk about Haley first. So the BYU honor code office asked her how many times she had sex with him, how many times she had sex with him, was it on or off campus, how many times um, she drank whatever mystery drug was Jesus drunk etc um, and then proceeded to tell her that she should expect to be expelled because she broke the honor code she had sex oh it's not rape again this it's is sex. y'all this is not an isolated incident many times women will in B- at BYU will not even say that they were raped because they will also they also know that they will be ex or not excommunicated but uh, expelled from the school. It's just rape culture. Like yeah. that. This is why women don't go to the police because people don't believe us. Yeah. People turn it around on us. Now, if you just like BYU, it happens, and because like there's the whole religion aspect above it too, and uh-huh. the whole like, oh, you're unworthy. Now you're impure. God doesn't love you anymore. Just if you want to read the horror stories, um, there used to be an Instagram. I like think the, th- there still is an Instagram because yeah, it's pretty new. The BYU honor code. I'm pretty sure BYU probably got that shut down. But there was a BYU oh, they honor can't. code. can't. That's like against the First Amendment. Um, I don't know where my phone is, but that's what sparked the whole. Uh, honor code. Uh, it's uh, return, returning honor or restoring honor. That's like an act going on now at BYU, current BYU students. If you want to look it up, just look up like restore honor. Yeah, and BYU. like the Instagram account kind of like started spear- spearheaded the whole thing. Yeah, because BYU freaked out. So I think, I think it's possible that BYU set up an agreement with them or something to take down the Instagram account. I'm pretty sure it's not there anymore. I hope it's still over there. Let me. Get up. I haven't looked it up though. And we a can. Weeks. Uh, yeah, I guess I can't say that. Yeah, it links him too much if he ever wants to go back. Yeah. Hot. <laughs> I just saw hot guys there. 
uh, honor. No, honor code stories. Is it's it still, still there. Thirty nine point four thousand followers. Okay, yeah. So go on Instagram and type in. We read off the handle. It's honor code stories. So just on, like how you spell honor, how you spell code, and how you spell stories. It's all one word. So if you want to hear about the BOU honor code horror stories, go there. These are real stories. Maybe some of them are made up just to like add. Who knows? Because there's slander everywhere. Yeah. But like I would say most of like ninety nine percent of these are not made up. Yeah. Uh, now Colleen, uh, she went to her bishop and he asked her if she was pregnant. Um, he basically told her that. Um, he would not be able to return to BYU, uh, especially if she was pregnant. Now, after a very long and humiliating review process, the girls were found innocent, um, but the rapists were also found innocent, and they were able to walk free. Okay, so since the investigation that Elizabeth um, kind of like spearheaded into BYU's whole honor code practices, specifically with these two rape victim stories, uh-huh. um, BYU has created a four-person committee who's in charge of all sexual assault cases, so it doesn't have to go directly through the honor code. It kind of goes through them first to then decide if it has to go to the honor code. Got it. Whether or not that committee is like active and doing anything right now, I'm not actually too sure because they're revamping the entire honor code. So I don't really have any updates in the sexual assault committee, but it, yeah. but she did start creating it. Yeah, I'm not aware. Other people are. If you do, again, just look up like the Restore with Honor um, or like maybe DM the Instagram account if you want to figure out anything else about it. Now, Elizabeth also spoke at BYU during the whole Me Too movement about the sexual assault uh, crisis on campus. Nice. Now, in Elizabeth's personal life, so she served her mission in France in 2011. While serving as a missionary in the Paris mission, she met Matthew Gilmore. In January 2012, they became engaged and were married on February 18, 2012, in a private ceremony in the Laie Hawaii Temple. Cute. In February 2015, um, Elizabeth gave birth to her daughter, Chloe. In 2017, she gave birth to her son, James. In November of 2018, she gave birth to another daughter, Olivia. Um, now, she has been able to completely move on and heal from her kidnapping. One of my favorite quotes from, Eliz- from Elizabeth Smart is, and this is in quotes, I want people to know that my kidnapping happened, but it doesn't define who I am. I think it's cool. Because yeah. it's just telling, she, she's grown. She's been able to defeat her trauma. Yeah. Um, now, the kidnapper's wife, Wanda Brazier, she just got out of prison. She's sure. 72 years old, and she was released on September 19, 2018. The, com- the conditions of Brazier's release state that unless she gets special permission, she must stay in the vicinity of Salt Lake District Court and get mental health treatment. She must also find a job and could soon be in the community working. Elizabeth Smart was obviously upset, saying um, every possible caution and protection should be taken when it comes to protecting our children, she told the Associated Press. Whether a person is deemed a current threat or if they have a history of sexual violence, prudent measures should be taken, including housing them as far away as possible from schools, family, and community centers. Brazier has moved into a house about 600 yards away from an elementary school. Jesus Christ. But according to your neighbors, they don't consider her a threat. Okay. So the Elizabeth Smart whole case, you know, it had a really unique impact on both Corey and myself and also Jordan. But Jordan is dead asleep, so he can no longer share his thoughts. (laughs) But, um, you know, we grew up Mormon, and so this really hit close to home, and Elizabeth is also a family member of mine. She is a distant cousin. Like, I've seen her at family reunions and stuff. And, you know, I was a kid. Like, this happened 2002. So I was uh, seven when this happened. I was 11. And, like, I remember this was, like, my biggest fear. Like, I remember watching it on the television and learning about someone 
carving a hole in a screen, screen window, yeah. to climb in to kidnap her and, and my then life just not kidnap a random person another mormon yeah like my life from that point from that moment on that was like a turning point in my life where i started becoming afraid of yeah. the world well even like not it just like it totally just like reiterated the saying of like you know bad things happen to good people yeah because it was like a mormon family who was trying to help people who were down and out on their luck yeah would have them come to the house and work like you know a good like christian work for their money yeah you're like you know you're you know you're seven or eleven and you're like yeah i get that Oh no! That but then he family. came back and stole the child in the middle of the night. And that could be me. That and is me. You're like, me. what the fuck? I looked at a picture of Elizabeth and I saw me, and I was, and I, yeah. like, my entire world kind of flipped upside down because I realized I wasn't even safe in my own home. Yeah. Like I already had to worry about getting kidnapped at a Target. I already had to worry Shit, about, yeah, like all these situations in my life, and now I was I had to be afraid of someone coming into my own bedroom and while stealing you're asleep. Me while I was asleep, it's it it is had such a significant impact in my life, and I really think like. That is probably one of the first, I mean, that's obviously my first experience with true crime that I really like have a memory of. And that's probably actually one of my first memories of my childhood because I was seven. I was like pretty young. And just the horror I felt realizing and always thinking and going to bed praying that I wasn't going to get kidnapped. Shit. That's my life. (laughs) How did it impact you? I mean, that. I already said it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like an 11-year-old boy obsessed with video games. Yeah. But I remember I remember that. It was like I, the whole – like the internal dialogue that I just shared about like – Yeah. It is a good th- – she was just – you know, her family were just other good, you know, Christian Mormons trying to help people down and out on their luck. And then it would just like was a smack in the face of the old saying, you know, bad things happen to good people. Yeah. So this could happen to you. Uh. Like people really do get kidnapped kidnapping yeah. so scary oh. so anyways how's your sex life Corey? let's change the subject yeah. let's get um, into happier stuff sex life uh things are good uh haven't seen seven hatch and crop top for almost a week now because no. we both have had to work a lot oh yeah um when was the last time we saw each other on sunday oh, but so we'll see each other. oh I it has been you. a week crazy Fuck. um but oh no monday we saw each other on monday okay you'll uh, see him tomorrow but yeah we'll see each other tomorrow because um, we're doing our kickball, our gay kickball leave starts tomorrow. Yay. Um, uh, so that's going to happen. And then uh, we're doing D&D. Fin- we haven't played D&D for like a month straight, but that's summer. Yeah. That's what happens. Um, so that I'm excited about that. And then your birthday is on Wednesday. My birthday's on Wednesday, yeah. everybody. I'm turning 24. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We didn't really do anything else. That's all I have to say, really. What, what movies did we see? Midsummer. We just talked about that. Did we already talk about Midsummer? Yeah. Okay, cool. I don't have anything else. I saw uh, Witchboard. I watched Witchboard this week. Oh, yeah. Um, it's very, it's it's not very good, but it's pretty good. It's worth the watch. It's, like, very super, like, the main thing is about this, like, uh, this dude, these two, or basically what happens is this, these two childhood friends who, who you don't really know their childhood friends yet, they're two dudes, and they're both in love with the same girl, mm. but the same girl is with one dude, you know, one of the dudes. Sorry, I'm saying dude a lot. <laughs> I'm trying to keep track. We're yeah, I'm tired. sorry. Yeah, okay, whatever. It's just a cool movie. But the whole thing is like between these two dudes, even the mo- even though the movie is trying to make you think that both of these dudes like the girl, the dudes are totally into each other. Oh. And it's just so there's like so much queer subtext that so you just fun. you just you're literally sitting there and like every scene between the two men, you're like just fucking kiss already. That's just like so fucking it's hilarious. So it's fun. I I you know heard it through the 
queer uh, At- attack of the queer wolf podcast that i listened to from blumhouse um there's also the shockwaves they're like the addition to the shockwaves podcast that's so fun um that i talk about all the time um so that was just a cool little movie uh i saw two other i watched two other horror movies this week i forget what they were called they I've just been watching Mad Men. That's been my whole week. Yeah, so talk Mad about Mad Men. Fuck Mad my shit. I'm, uh, I'm halfway through season three. Yes. It's getting so good. It's yes. just so fun. And I just makes me want to become an alcoholic and smoke cigarettes. Seriously, though. I literally started drinking while watching it like, the second time. I, I can't drink right now, and it sucks so bad. I was like, I just want, like, a double of whiskey. I, I just want the fuck you say that in cool. my mouth. And I'm just, I just want it so bad. And I want all their dresses. And like, mm-hmm. you know, I love the aesthetic. I love like the mid-century modern. And that is just Mad Men. Yes. Like my whole house, my goal is to make it look like a Mad Men office. You saw the Bye Bye Birdie episode. Yeah. You saw Carousel. Oh, oh Carousel made me God cry. damn. You can't just, you like are simultaneously like transcending yeah. while having like the most intense like existential crisis of your life that's donald draper that's basically donald draper but uh, <laughs> other than that let's see i got my wisdom teeth taken out so i've just been on a hydrocodone days for like four days yes. i stopped taking it on wednesday so it's been a few days actually so uh-huh. i'm fully like lucid Inside. as of yesterday today i had a vegan mac and cheese. Big update there. Because yes. other than that, I've only been eating applesauce. Cute. So I'm, I'm getting skinny. You had, you had food. I'm having, I'm cons- sorry, eating real food again. My birthday's on Wednesday, which will be very fun. We're going to go see yesterday. Uh-huh. And then eat ice cream at my favorite vegan ice cream place after. Yes. S'mores and Simone are still not friends. <laughs> There's improvement, though. There's some improvement, but, you know, still not enough progress to make me happy, happy. Yeah, big news true. though is Corey and i are gonna be in california in a couple weeks y'all yeah so get ready if you guys will be in the huntington beach area let's get some drinks yeah bitch but yeah nothing too much to report this week what's that simone about no that i heard it go yeah oh my god i hope it was oh. simone it's okay i made it up it's chill hopefully next week my pins will be out but probably not oh, but here's yes. to hoping at least i'll be 24 next episode Ooh, you will growing cute up, growing up so fast growing up so fast well, anyways, guys. Anyways. How's your sex life? <gasps> Bye, guys. Bye. See you next week. Join our Patreon for more shit. Yeah, bitch.